again, aren't they? Man, I tell you, isn't it true that you can be right here, and if you just start listening to your thought processes, you can go downhill real quick, can't you? From a song about hope to there is no hope. Well, the fact is there is a lot of hope, and change is possible, and as we enter into the new year, you need to know that and understand that, and, and change, permanent change, comes through your walk with God. Where are you with God? Because we can turn over a new leaf and we can, um, you know, make all kind of New Year's resolutions and all that stuff, but it is Jesus who makes the permanent heart change in us. And so we, um, we encourage you today to turn to him uh, about all the changes you'd like to make in the new year. And I've got a few changes I want to make in in my life in the new year, and I know you are dying for me to tell, tell you what they are, but I'm not going to, but um, he's going to help me with those uh, changes. I want to be able to button this coat for one thing comfortably, so we're going to work on that this year. Uh, we are in a sermon series titled Supernatural, and a lot of people have come up to me and said, Pastor, I just really didn't know what this was going to be about, and, um, and I've had some comments about the direction that I felt like the Lord had taken me in this series and, and how they appreciated some of the things that we were going over, some of the, really the basics of the Christian life. And uh, the first sermon in the series is called Pathway to Power because God wants you to plug in to supernatural, that means beyond the natural, beyond human. He wants you to plug into supernatural Power and supernatural power, the kind we're talking about, the, the, the holy supernatural power. There is a dark side to the supernatural power, but we're talking about what flows from heaven to us. One example of that is wisdom. Wisdom is just an example. There is, there is earthly wisdom, and then there is supernatural wisdom that doesn't come from a book or a college or experience in life. It comes only from God. That's why you can see children sometimes who have little education and little experience say some very wise things. Isn't that the truth? Amen. Aren't you amazed sometimes what kids say? Well, that's supernatural. God, God will speak through our children to us sometimes just to remind us that there is a wisdom that doesn't come from experience and it doesn't come from education. So we're talking about uh, the supernatural in a lot of ways in a lot of different areas, not just wisdom. And we're talking about how to get on a pathway, how to get on a path that will bring you to a place in your life where the supernatural is operating in you. And I think a lot of times when we think of the supernatural, we think of, you know, mystical stuff and, you know, all kinds of incredible, amazing miracles. And that is a part of it. We're even going to have some testimonies a little bit later in this series from some of our folks who have had uh, supernatural miracles happen in their life, some video testimonies. So you'll be seeing those a little bit later and throughout the year we're going to have those. But I want you to think in terms of um, just that God is directing your life. That is supernatural. Just that God is giving direction in your life and God is leading and God is directing and God is guiding your footsteps. We'll talk about that a little bit today. Um, one of the problems when we talk about supernatural is that a lot of us have the same problem that the woman uh, who had had the issue of blood, the hemorrhage in her body for 12 years. You remember that story in the Bible for 12 long years? 
she had had this hemorrhage taking place and she was not getting stronger but only weaker. She had spent all the money she had on doctors. Can anybody relate to that? And um, her, her insurance plan wasn't that good. So she, um, so she is, uh, um, you know, spending her money. I would imagine that she probably even went to places she shouldn't have gone, maybe to, to, to voodoo and, and witch doctors or whatever she could find because she didn't know Jesus and, and she didn't understand the things of God. And so she was looking for help anywhere she could get it. And that reminds me so much of the day that we live in, um, people turning to some of the strangest sources to have the needs in their life met, and uh, Jesus is what they need. And so she heard that this Jesus was coming to her town, and so she pushed her way through the crowd. You know the story, and she lunged with everything that was in her and touched the hem of his garment, and 12 years of sickness was healed, and 12 years of hemorrhage was over, and a supernatural act of God took place in her body. And I think that some of us get caught up in the fact that supernatural, incredible, out-of-the-norm good things happen to other people, but not to us. I think we buy into this belief that somehow I'm not worthy. Somehow other people get to see the amazing things of God, but it wasn't really meant for me. Sometimes supernatural things are happening in our life, but we don't even recognize them. We don't see them. And so we don't give God credit for those supernatural things. Because see, in our human mind, we have relegated supernatural events to certain things. But I would submit to you this morning that there are many supernatural things that happen in your life, probably, no doubt, on a daily basis. And you just fail to see them. So here, here's something you need to add to your prayer life. Lord, help me see. Help me discern. Help me recognize and be thankful for and appreciative of every supernatural thing you do in my life, every miraculous thing you do in my life. Because see, the enemy would love nothing better than for these amazing things to happen in your life and you not give God the credit he deserves for them. And the way we see more miracles in our life and the way we see more supernatural things happen in our life is when we are appreciative and thankful and recognize the ones that are happening in our life. Am I making any sense this morning? So I want you to add to your prayer life, Lord, help me recognize it. Help me recognize when something supernatural from heaven happens in my life. Help me not to miss it. Help me to be sensitive toward it. Help me to be thankful. Um, another thing I want to say to you this morning, and this is not in my notes, I haven't planned to say this, is sometimes I think we believe, I know I get caught up in this myself sometimes, is that God will not move in our life until we have perfect faith. Well, I want to tell you something. You're going to always deal with doubt. You're going to always deal with doubt. You're all, there are going to be times in your life when your faith level is high, and there are going to be times in your life when your faith level is struggling. 
I'm telling you this morning, and God is saying to you, I believe, I work in your life with imperfect faith. Amen? Listen, guys, none of us are perfect. None of us are perfect. We all struggle in various areas And you may be struggling in your faith, but you keep trusting and you keep believing and you keep praying and saying, God, the problem I know is not on your end, it's on my end. I'm having a little trouble believing for this, but I know your promises are true and I stand on them even though I don't understand them and even though the enemy creeps in from time to time and makes me think like that woman who had that issue of blood, that miracles are for other people and they're not for me, but God, I'm not buying into that. In Jesus' name, I'm not buying into that and I'm believing today for you to do something supernatural in my life. As you sit here this morning, listening to your pastor speak. Some of you really need something supernatural from God today, don't you? You need something something miraculous to happen in your life. With some of you, it is physical. With some of you, it is in your family relationships. With some of you, it is financial. With some of you, it is It is just uh, everyday stuff. Maybe you're battling with depression or you're battling and you just need a miracle and the enemy has painted a picture of a black hole you'll never get out of. But I want you to see Jesus today. I'm calling upon you to look up and see Jesus today. And understand that he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And he wants to bring you out by his mighty power out of that pit. And you know something? Here's an amazing thing. Have you ever been delivered from that pit? I mean, have you ever been delivered from that place that the enemy had you and he had you believing certain things and seeing certain things in certain ways and everything was negative and everything was bad? But somehow you trusted God and God pulled you out of that pit and then you look back and that pit was about this deep and you thought it was just miles deep and you thought it was... And it was just a little thing. But see, he had gotten you to believe that it was a huge thing you'd never come out of. I don't know why I'm saying all this today. It is not in my notes. I have not even started preaching yet. So I don't know where you are and I don't know what the enemy has got you believing. But there is a Savior I am told in Psalm 40 that will reach down his hand into the miry clay you are stuck in and pull you out and set your feet on a rock and establish your going. That isn't just for lost people. That verse isn't just for lost people who are in sin. It's for Christians who are in the muck and mire and they believe the lie. There are people who are Christians who have who have maybe gotten away in their prayer life or they've been feeding on the negative and they've gotten in the muck and the mire. I'm telling you today, look up. We serve a God on high who will roll up his sleeves and reach down in that stuff and pull you out. You don't have to live there. You don't have to live there. Amen, amen. All right. Now for the sermon. The pathway to power. Last week we started this message and we said that the first step on the pathway to having the supernatural function in your life is you've got to recognize the presence of Jesus in your life. And I know that that is so elementary and that is so almost cliche. It's almost to the point that it just goes right past you. But I got to tell you guys, please hear me on this. That's a lot of us, a lot of us, that's our problem. We think Jesus saves us from our sins 
And we think Jesus is our way to heaven, but we pretty much act like and operate from the point of view that he is the one who saves us, but we just keep on living our life the same way we lived it before, depending on ourself and depending on our humanity. I'm here to tell you that not only are you going to be with him in heaven, he is with you now. He is with you now. And you are not tapping into a resource. You are not tapping into a resource that is available to you. Some of you have had your ticket punched. You're, you, got your, you got your ticket you know, for the glory train and you're going to go to heaven when you die. And that's wonderful. I tell you, it reminds me of a story of a, of a young boy who bought a ticket on, a, on a, um, a ship way back in the 1800s to go from the United States over to Europe. And back in that day, to take that kind of trip took about three weeks on a boat. And he bought that ticket and, and he uh, had a little bag of food with him and he had a little bit of cheese in there and a little bit of crackers and he knew he had to make that last for three weeks. And so every day for three weeks, he would just nibble on those little crackers and he would, he would nibble on that cheese until finally he made it to Europe where he could purchase a meal. And he watched other people eat in the dining areas of the ship. And he watched them feast on the buffets and he watched them enjoy the delicious food while he sat on the outside and peeped through the windows and and ate little bits through the day. When he got to the shores of Europe, he was telling one of the other passengers how glad he was to be in Europe because now he could buy some food. He was so hungry. And the man said, son, didn't you know that the ticket you bought included all the meals on the ship? See, we live our life like that as Christians. We think we've got this little ticket that's just going to get us to heaven. And from here to heaven, we got to nibble and we got to make it by, you know, just get by. And, and we've got to suffer. And, and look, I, I know there's suffering involved in all that. And, and, and you're going to receive persecution. I understand all that. But, but we live the Christian life like it's this big ball and chain hanging around our neck. And one day we're going to get set free. And one day we'll be in heaven and we can... We can enjoy life again. That is not it. This ticket, this Jesus that you have in your heart is not only someone who is going to get you to heaven. He is the one who provides for you every single day of your life. And some of you are living your Christian life like that little boy, like that young boy on that boat. You have bought in and you have this ticket, but you don't realize all that it includes. It's not just getting you to heaven, and that's a biggie, isn't it? It's pretty big, but it's far more than that. It is Jesus saying, I give you life. And when he said that, he was talking about eternal life, but then he said, I give you life, what? More abundantly. That meant here and now, the here and now. So are you a Christian, but you're just nibbling your way to heaven? God says he wants you to feast on his blessings, feast on his goodness. Well, we need to recognize that Jesus is not only going to be where we're going, he's with us now. The second thing I want you to notice, and that is in our message today, is that not only do we need to recognize 
the presence of Jesus in our life. We also need to recognize the promises or the promise. If you have your sermon notes there in your worship program there, you can follow along and fill in the little blanks there and kind of let you know when I'm coming in for a landing. But um, you got to remember his promise. And, and not only do you need to remember the promises of God, you need to receive them for yourself. Every promise in the book is true. Every promise in the book is for you. Let's look at this promise in uh, Acts 1, 4 through 8. Jesus gives us a very clear promise as it relates to the supernatural because that's what we're talking about. And so Jesus says, and being assembled together with them, or, the, or, the, or Luke says, Luke wrote the book of Acts, Luke says, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to, not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the what? Promise. You have a promise. Now, can I ask you a question? Does God break his promises? No, he never does. Now, we, we often don't take him up on them, but he never breaks them. So he says, I want you to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but a supernatural thing is going to happen to you. You shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. Now, these were people who had believed on Jesus. These were not the people who left him and didn't believe. These were people who had believed. And he was talking to them about a deeper relationship, a deeper walk. He said, you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, and this is what the Jews were always interested in. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. And then he brought them back to the promise. Back to the promise. Remember the promise. But you shall receive supernatural power. Stop worrying right now about me establishing the kingdom. There are other things I want to do. And part of it involves you being endued with supernatural power. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And when this Holy Spirit has come upon you, the result of that will be that you will gather in your church on Sunday, sing songs, jump and shout and all that stuff, and then go home and watch football. Now, the reason I say that is because that's what a whole lot of churches do. He says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Jesus made a similar promise a bit earlier. Now, we know Luke wrote Acts, but Luke also wrote another book in the Bible called the Gospel of, you are geniuses, um, Luke 24, 49, look what Jesus said. Now, this is way before the book of Acts. Luke 24, 49, before, uh, behold, and this is, this is Jesus talking, behold, I send the what? Of my Father upon you, but tarry. Now, we don't use the word tarry very often. It means wait. How many of you know sometimes God wants you to wait? How many of you know God's delays are not necessarily God's denials? I tell you something, if you get up and leave right now, that sentence will help you. 
Because you think when God says wait, God's saying no. But that's not always true. Now, when my mom and dad said we'll see, it meant no. Amen. My little kids, if they were here, they'd be going, amen, that's true, Pastor. We'll see. Well, I knew that I wasn't going to get it. But we did see that I wasn't going to get it. All right, Luke 24, 49. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry, wait, in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued. Now, I love that word endued. I don't think I got the notes up there, but let me just tell you what that word means. I love this word endued. Now, this is the promise to you that you're going to be endued. Be endued. When you leave church this morning, you can go, man, it was awesome. I got endued while I was there. People will be looking at you strange at Bojangles. Behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry and wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued. How many people here want to be endued? Amen. I ain't even sure what it means. I want it. Because <laughs> Jesus promised it. And I know he has never promised me a bad thing. But I looked up that word endued and I got into the Greek. It means permeated. Permeated. It means soaked. It means immersed. It means saturated. And then I added one of my words, because I like to eat, marinated. <laughs> Amen. Y'all know any good marinade recipes for steak before you throw it on the grill? I know several. And uh, what I like is to, put, is to get that marinade on Saturday night and let it marinate all day, you know, and then come home Sunday and throw that baby. You know, I'm just saying. Now y'all are you're not going to hear anything else. I preach you ready to go home now. It says, uh, I want you to be permeated. I want you to be soaked. I want you to be immersed. I want you to be saturated. I want you to be marinated with power. I did not say this. I did not say this. This isn't Pastor Farrell. This is Jesus. And, and I know, you know, when I, anytime you preach from Acts 2, uh, people freak out and they go, oh, he's trying to turn us into Pentecostals. I'm just preaching out of the Bible. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. And, you know, the word Pentecost means 50. I became Pentecostal about two years ago. <laughs> so, um, can, can we this morning, can, can I ask you in this series, can I ask you to work with me on something? Can we just drop labels? Can we just drop labels like charismatic? Because when you hear the word charismatic, all of a sudden you got to, you know, I don't want to be charismatic, man. Those people are crazy. Or Pentecostal. I don't want to be Pentecostal. They're crazy. Or I don't want to be Baptist because they don't, you know, they don't receive all that God has. And we've got labels, and because we have these labels, there are certain passages of Scripture you can't even address. You can't even talk about in church without people putting walls up and going, don't try to turn me into some denomination. I'm not trying to turn anybody into any kind of denomination. I'm just looking at what did Jesus say? Is anybody interested in what Jesus said? Jesus said, behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, ouch, but tarry, wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are permeated, soaked, immersed, saturated, and dude, marinated in the supernatural power that is from heaven. Amen. 
Now, I don't care what denomination you are, Jesus said it. (laughs) And what Jesus was saying was, don't go out and try to do anything until you're endued with power. Here's what Jesus was saying. Don't try to do God stuff without the power of God on your life. I like what one writer said. He said, when you go out and try to do God stuff without the power of God on your life, it is not only foolish, it's wicked. That's pretty strong language, isn't it? So we need to get this promise from God. The promise of the Father is power that is given to us through the Holy Spirit, and the purpose of this power is to enable us. Now, the Bible tells us in Acts, in in Ephesians 5.18, in Ephesians 5.18, the Bible tells us to be filled with the Spirit. Now, the people to whom this letter was written were believers. The book of Ephesians is a letter written by Paul to people who are, let me use a bunch of Bible words, those of you who are here, you might not understand our Christianese, but he was talking to saved people. He was talking to born again people. Jesus had died on the cross. He had rose from the dead. So at this point, the people in the church at Ephesus were born again, saved, just like we are. And he told those born again, saved people, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't care what you want to call yourself or what label you are or what denomination you came from. You are messing up big time if a part of your prayer life isn't fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I'm telling you guys, every time I pray, I pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I understand that that's an experience that God has for you, but, but if you will read the book of Acts and you will try to get all your denominational inclinations out of your mind and just look at the raw word of God, every time the Holy Spirit moved on them, it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So this is a process that we go through where we ask God to keep us filled at all times with the Holy Spirit. And so we pray for that, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, a definition of the Holy Spirit, because you might be sitting here going, you know, Pastor, you said I need Jesus, and now you say I need the Holy Spirit. Do I need Jesus or the Holy Spirit? Yes. I like all kinds of ice cream. So when they say, do you want chocolate? I guess say yes. Put it all on there. Y'all tried turnip ice cream? Oh, man, it's awesome. Collard ice cream, it's great. I'm just kidding. Um, so you need Jesus. Jesus let, let, me, let me give you a definition of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is Christ in the Christian. Now, what we like to do, and we're wrong, we're in error, is we like to separate Jesus over here from the Holy Spirit. And we like to say, Jesus is here to save you from your sins. But then he's done, and then the Holy Spirit comes and gives you power. That's wrong teaching. 
Listen, the first encounter you had with the Holy Spirit was when you heard that preacher preaching that message telling you Jesus loves you and you had not yet received Jesus and you're holding on to the pew with both hands. Your knuckles turning white, you're holding on because the Holy Spirit is going, you're lost. Y'all remember that whisper? And you think, man, if I can just get out of this church, if I can just get out of this church, I won't have to hear that anymore. And you got in the foyer and you kept hearing, you're lost. And then you got in the parking lot and you heard, Jesus loves you. You got in your car and turned your rock music up as loud as you could, but above it all, you heard, Jesus wants your life. You tried to work and it just ate at you and you tried to, you tried to go on and do your thing and it just ate at you and you, you tried to do things to occupy your mind, but the conviction of the Holy Spirit was telling you, you need a savior. Now in and I've got to hurry here, but in John 16, he tells us that that is one of the reasons the Holy Spirit came was to convince us that we need a Savior. So that was your first encounter. Well, then when you finally went, you know what, I'm not running from this anymore, and I'm not offering up any more excuses, because one of the primary excuses we offer up for not becoming a Christian is that there are a bunch of hypocrites in the church. Y'all ever hear that one? Oh, the reason I don't go out there is a bunch of hypocrites out there. Really? I want to go, you are so smart. There are hypocrites out here. Sometimes the hypocrite is me. Y'all look so holy. But sometimes it is me. Sometimes I don't walk it the way I talk it. And if that's what a hypocrite is, sometimes I'm the hypocrite. But nobody here is pointing you at any of us. We will fail you. We will let you down. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. I love that little video clip we run occasionally that says we're just a bunch of broken people who, who God is putting our lives back together. That, we're all broken people. God's putting our lives back together. That's why I told you you don't need perfect faith. Your faith ought to be more healthy than it was two years ago, but you're never going to have perfect faith. You're always developing in your faith. Amen, amen. See, if you could have perfect faith, then, then you wouldn't need to grow anymore in your faith. And you're always growing in your faith. So that means if you're growing in your faith, then your faith must not have been what it could have been. Are y'all with me? I don't even know where I'm at, but I'm here in the name of Jesus. But the Holy Spirit is Christ in me. And we separate Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Look what Jesus said in John 14, 18. When Jesus was talking about the promise of the infilling of the Holy Spirit, he said, <coughs> I will not leave you comfortless. I will not leave you comfortless. Now, what he's talking about there is I'm about to ascend into heaven. I'm about to go to heaven, back to heaven to be with my father. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. And then he says, referring to the Holy Spirit, I will come to you. I, Jesus, will come to you. Don't separate the Holy Spirit in Jesus. Listen, I understand that we worship one God who, who reveals himself to us in three persons. We're Trinitarians here at Whitley Church. We believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But we don't worship three gods. We worship one God. You say, that's freaky. Man, that's crazy. It's just like you. <laughs> because you're three parts. You are a body. Right now, there's more of that of me than ever before. But you're a body. 
You're a, you're a soul or mind, and in your mind is where your will is, and it's where your emotions are, and it's where your decision process is. All of that takes place in your mind. So you have a body, you have a mind, but then you have a third part of you, which is your heart. And that's the seed of God. Actually, a better word for your heart, <laughs> more spiritual word, is your spirit. And that's with a little s. Sometimes in the Bible, you'll see the word spirit, capital S, that's talking about God. Sometimes you'll see the word spirit with a little s, that's talking about that third part of you, listen, listen, which is the seed of God. See, when you, when you invite Jesus into your life, that's where he comes in and sits down in your spirit. And then the closer you get to him and the more you get to know him and the more you release your talents and your gifts and your abilities to him, all of a sudden, he, where he started in your heart, now he begins to think through your mind, he begins to speak through your mouth and he begins to function through your body as you serve and bless others. Does that make any sense? So the Holy Spirit in my heart is Jesus in me. And the more that I yield to the Holy Spirit, listen, listen, you say, well, I don't know, pastor. Listen, what did Jesus say? Jesus said, I am going to Give you the Holy Spirit so that you will continue to do what I began. It's about Jesus, ladies and gentlemen. John 16 says the Holy Spirit didn't come to talk about himself. He came to make you talk about Jesus. Because Jesus is our Savior. Let me move on. We need power. Why do we need it? <clears throat> Let me give you these very quickly. Number one, we need the power of the Holy Spirit to enlighten us, to enlighten us. The Bible says in John 16, 13, but when he, the spirit of truth, that is the truth-giving spirit comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you. That means he will put a light where there was darkness. He will, what, in lighten you into all the truth. Listen, I'm not your teacher. The Holy Spirit's your teacher. I'm a man. I could get up here and say something that is contrary to the word of God. I'm capable of that. I'm capable of getting up here. Maybe pride enters in or I'm just ignorant about the Bible. I'm capable of getting up here and saying something that's not true about the Bible. But see, if you're walking with God and you're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, he will check you and go, pastor's a good man, but he just blew it on that one right there. Amen, amen. Now, I don't recall that ever happening. I'm just saying it could. Y'all with me? I'm just kidding. Of course, I've messed up. Um, and here it is. Here it is. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. For he, the Holy Spirit, will not speak his own message. I went by a church one time out on the sign. It said, we preach the Holy Ghost. My Bible says he has not come to speak his own message. He's come to empower us to talk about a Savior that will deliver a man's soul from sin, that will deliver a woman's soul from sin, that will deliver a young person's soul from sin. The Holy Spirit has come to embolden us and empower us to speak about Jesus. You say, well, aren't we supposed to speak about the Holy Spirit? What am I doing this morning? I'm speaking about the Holy Spirit, but when you speak about the Holy Spirit, speak the truth about it. I got to tell y'all something. I turn my TV on sometimes and people say things about the Holy Spirit and I go, man, he's going to get struck by lightning. And he will announce and declare to you things 
that already come. We don't know what to say, do. We don't know where to go. Oprah says everything we need is in us. I'm telling you, you have nothing inside of you. Oprah is an evangelist. She has just written some book on communicating with God or prayer. I love Oprah, but I want Oprah to get saved. Oprah's wrong. You say, well, I just watch her every day at 4 o'clock. I, okay. But you, just, you need to know she's messed up theologically. She's a sweet lady, but she's messed up theologically. You say, well, I'll tell you what, she's helped a lot of people. What a great thing to hide behind to be able to give you false doctrine to keep you lost. Are y'all listening? Just because somebody did something good, that doesn't mean what they're saying is good. Jeremiah 10, 23 tells us the truth. Look at Jeremiah 10, 23. Oh, Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. The way a man should go isn't in him. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. Oprah says, you are your own savior. Jeremiah says, you're as empty as empty can be. You need a savior. You need a savior. So the Holy Spirit will enlighten us. Number two, the Holy Spirit will enable us. The Holy Spirit will enable us. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, he will enable us. You say, oh, if God would just enlighten me, everything would be fine. No, it won't. It's one thing to know the will of God. It's a whole other thing to do it. You don't only need enlightenment. You need enablement. Is that a word? You need to be enabled to do what you now know. And the Holy Spirit does it all. Listen, listen. He is the revealer and he is the empowerer. He enables you. Not only is it impossible for you to know God's will apart from the Holy Spirit, it's impossible for you to do God's will apart from the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8 says, but you shall receive power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Well, why do I need power? I'll tell you why I need power. Because there's something for me to do. There isn't just something for me to know. There is something for me to do. And in order for me to do what God has let me know I need to do, I need power. I can't do it in my own strength. Amen. Knowing God's will and doing God's will, listen, listen, are divine enablements. Divine enablements, that's an important word because that is an ability that is given to you that you can get only from God. You can go to school and learn how to do some things. You can, you can have experience in life and learn how to do some things. Your grandma can teach you how to cook and you can learn how to do some things. But there are some things you will never, never know how to do or be able to do until you receive that enablement from God. Number three. I need the Holy Spirit to encourage me. Anybody here ever need encouraging? John 16, 7 says, however, I'm telling you nothing but the truth when I say it is profitable, good, expedient, advantageous for you that I go away because if I do not go away, the comforter, a great word. Comforter is with a capital C because it is referring to God it is referring to the Holy Spirit who is God. Now that word comforter, let me just tell you some of the things that word means. Do you need God to ever just come comfort you? That word comforter, here's what's wrapped up in that word, and I know what time it is. Counselor, 
helper, encourager, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, standby. I mean, he's just standing by you. How many of you know friends will let you down? Family will let you down? Don't point at anybody. People will let you down. I'm going to let you down. People are going to let you down. And you think you're so awesome, but I want to tell you something. You're going to let people down too. We're just human. We let people down. We let people down because we meant to, and we let people down because we didn't mean to. You're going to let people down. The Holy Spirit, who is God, will never, ever let you down. He is the encourager. The Greek word is paraclete. It means someone who is always there to encourage you to get the job done. Someone who is how often there? Always there to encourage you to get the job done. Now, why would Jesus want these believers to be encouraged? Because he knew they were going to face persecution. He knew that the Christian life was not an easy road. I mean, I could stand up here and tell you once you get saved, man, it's tiptoe through the tulips from then on, and that would sound good. It just wouldn't be true. I'm telling you that it is not always an easy road. There are going to be heartaches and tears, and, and Jesus knew these people were going to be physically threatened, and Jesus knew some of these people, because they had given their allegiance to him, would be killed. And so he knew they needed a comforter, an encourager, and that's Jesus. Number four, we need this Holy Spirit to empower us. Acts 5, 12 through 16, look what it says. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. Don't you just love that crowd who goes, you know, I don't want your Jesus, but I just really think a lot of him. I could do so much preaching right there. Because here's what we're being told by the world. If we just tip our hat to Jesus and just have a lot of respect for him, if we just go around saying Jesus was a good man and a good teacher, and boy, I tell you that Jesus, he was really awesome, that Jesus looks down and goes, okay, that's good enough. No, it isn't. He wants you to embrace him, receive him, accept him. So that they brought the sick, verse 15, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Verse 16, also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities of, to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Acts 4.33, and with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And great grace was upon them all. That means a lot of people got saved. Dr. A.C. Dixon, if you want to study a, a great preacher of yesteryear, go online and just put in Dr. A.C. Dixon and just read about him. Here's what he said. Would you stand to your feet this morning? I know it's late, but would you just walk up here? Would you just walk up here? Here's what A.C. Dixon said as you're walking to the altar. A.C. Dixon said, when we rely on organization, we get what organization can do. When we rely on education, we get what education can do. When we rely on eloquence, we get what eloquence can do. But when we rely on the Holy Spirit, we get what God can do. And boys and girls, God can do anything. We have people in Whitley Church who are eloquent we have people in Whitley Church who are educated. We have people in Whitley Church who are organized. All of that's good. They're spiritual gifts. But our dependence is not on those things. Our dependence is on the God 
of the gift of organization and the God of the gift of education and the God of the gift of eloquence. And when we put our focus on him, then we have what he can do and he can do anything. Would you just bow your head? Now, I want you to promise me something and and certainly you don't have to do this. But I want you to incorporate into your prayer life this prayer. Father, fill me with the Holy Spirit of God. Fill me with the Holy Spirit of God. Some of you have been saved. You received Jesus into your heart and, and, and you think the ride is over and you think now you just, you know, kind of pray a little bit every day and read your Bible a little bit every day and just hang on until Jesus comes. That is not true. There is something deeper. There is something richer. There is something that will empower you to speak boldly about the resurrection of Jesus. And it is this Holy Spirit of God. And I want you to begin to pray, Father, fill me with the Holy Spirit of God. You say, Pastor, I've never prayed that before because I was always taught that when I got saved, that was it. I'm telling you, in Ephesians 5.18, these people were believers already. And Paul said to them, be filled, as if they needed more, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm saying to you today, incorporate this into your prayer life. You say, well, I'm not Pentecostal, I'm not charismatic, I'm not asking you to be any denomination. I'm just asking you to obey Ephesians 5.18. That's all I'm asking. You say, well, what will that make me do? Will I do weird things? You probably already are doing some weird things. Will I do weird things? Will I do foolish things? I'll tell you this, the Holy Spirit's a perfect gentleman. And it is not the goal of the Holy Spirit to make a fool out of you. And it is not the goal of the Holy Spirit to embarrass you. It is the goal of the Holy Spirit who is God, listen, listen, to empower you to empower you that you might not be an anemic believer, but you might be a powerful, influential, darkness-busting Christian. Amen, amen? So, Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Would you just pray that right now? Father, just fill me with your Holy Spirit, God that I might be all that you want me to be. I don't want to be like that little boy on that ship that just nibbles on the crumbs. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to feast on all that you have for me in my journey to heaven. Amen, amen. Don't let the enemy talk you into believing that you just nibble on a little bit until you finally get to heaven and then you get to eat. No, 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 no. You get to eat now. You get to eat now. You get to to feast upon the goodness and the power of God now. Feast on him. Fill me. Fill me, God, with your Holy Spirit. I tell you, that prayer will change your life. And that prayer will open a door for God to teach you things about himself that you on this day do not yet know when you open that door. We receive this truth today, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Just tell them out there that pastor got long, you know, whatever. Visitors and guests, please go by and pick up your gift and information bag at the um, Welcome Center in the overflow seating area. God bless you and thank you for coming.